Welcome. I'm not gonna murder. I'm Emily Walborn. And this is half Asian, half, half hour. Nailed it. Okay, that was good. <laughs> Remember to say it after our names this time, which is a huge improvement. That's big. Big for yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good time. Um, okay, so I wanted to tell you about this YA series that I finished reading. Um, okay. It's called The Selection. My campers at this Catholic camp I used to work at recommended it to me, and this week I was able to find PDFs of the books. Um, the premise is it's basically a ripoff of the Hunger Games, but the competition mm-hmm. that girls are, it's the Bachelorette. Like they're going to see who's going to become the prince's wife. Um, and they're 16. Oh, okay. um, that's fun. It's fun. Um, yeah. It's, it's poorly written, and <laughs> but it's really, really, I had a really, really good time. I read the second book in one day. And again, this was a 200 page PDF. Um, <laughs> I couldn't put it down. But there's one character who, they don't tell you the race of any of the characters except for this one character, Elise. Uh, she is, they just like keeping like, she's only here because of her ties to New Asia, which is, I guess, a country that they're trying to get allyship with. Um, and like, they don't describe any of the other girls this way, but they'll always be like, and Elise's dark hair. I'm like, you don't have to tell me what she looks like. <laughs> you will, like, I just think that it's weird when in books when people are like, she had dark skin. And it took, takes me a while to realize, like, oh, just say they're black. Like, what, <laughs> what skin? Just say, like, what is this? Just say what race they are. This is confusing. Yeah. Um, it's also never good when they don't call out the race of any other character except one. It's, it's never good. <laughs> never a good sign. <laughs> Not a good sign. Um, and so this girl, Elise, is only a stereotype. Like, she doesn't have any personality other than she, she's described as being cold, calculating, heartless. Uh, um, and then they find out that she doesn't love the prince. She's only there... Uh, to help bring honor to her family and if she loses that will dishonor her family are you serious yeah um everyone keeps being like she's only here because of her connections to new asia that's the only reason they kept her around and i took screenshots of some of the lines and this isn't even exhaustive at all um like uh, yeah, I would never dishonor my family by quitting, Elise said. I loved her conviction, even if I didn't completely understand it. Like, okay. Um, and then... Oh, uh, Jacob, what is your crime, she said. She projected her voice really well, much better than usual. They keep talking about how she's really fucking quiet and, like, the weakest one of the bunch. Um, oh, my God. This is one point where the king is complaining, and he says, these girls have been disastrous. Even the Asians' connections have done nothing for me. Um <laughs> She described her once as, uh, she was like, Elise squinted her already thin eyes. And I was like, you didn't have to say that. Already um, thin? Come on. Are you serious? And, okay, there's a villain. She's like mm-hmm. the mean rich girl named Celeste. And she's like actually bad. Like, she beats her maids. Uh, she called some of the girls whores. Like, she got a girl kicked out. Dang. She, like, is violent. Like, she's actually the villain. Um, but then throughout the course of the books, like, the main character's like, you know what, Celeste isn't so bad. And just eventually she's like, at least she's not as bad as Elise. And that becomes everyone's opinion for no reason. Like, the prince is like, 
You know, Celeste, she can be a little strong-headed, but at least she's not spineless like Elise. And I'm like, why did Elise look up everyone's least favorite person? Like, this other girl, again, beat her maids. Like, anyway, I thought that was crazy. Just, like, for no... So Elise didn't do anything to anybody, and throughout the books, for no reason, she just becomes, like, hated by everybody. And, like, (laughs) Celeste gets a redemption arc and ends up becoming friends with the main girl. And everyone just hates Elise because she's Asian, literally. That is so crazy. So that that was worse. Um, Kira Cass, the author. I, I, I think what happened right before she read the book, wrote these books was she watched the Hunger Games and then an Asian person spit in her face and then she sat down to write these books. Like, that has to be what happened. That's the only way. Yeah. What? That is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, still recommend them. They're a lot of fun, but we should have this author on the pod because I think she just needs to, like, work some stuff out. Yeah. She'd probably listen to me go, hmm, you guys are so spineless. <laughs> can see your Asian thin eyes squinting at me through the computer screen. <laughs> yeah. No, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, so that was kind of unbelievable, but also these books were written in, like, 2013. Like, this isn't even, like, it's not a Stephen King book that came out in the 70s. Sure. Wow. Well, dang. Yeah. A lot of times I feel like Asian characters are, like, what white writers choose to like have those feelings against you know because they're like uh it's an it's like it feels like sometimes they think it's like an easy target you know i don't know totally that makes sense i agree with you um i don't know i just feel like in a lot of comedies and like movies and stuff there's just a lot of like it's like well we'll make fun of like Asian people, like, I don't know what I'm thinking, maybe, like, 80s comedies, where it's just, like, oh, make fun of, like, Kung Fu, or whatever. I still see stuff in comedies about that, too, of, like, oh, we'll do, like, the Asian voice, and, oh, it's actually funny, and it's kind of just played off as mm-hmm. commonly funny and a joke. Yeah. Yeah, it is sort of working off sense? of the assumption that there aren't Asian people in the audience. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just no. what I've I've just been feeling lately. Like people in comedy, in like the comedy scene, even in like LA and stuff, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's easy to make fun of like like make Asian jokes. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yes, I agree. I wonder if that's because Asian people are becoming more visible to more people who previously didn't know any um yeah and with that comes like I don't know I was at an open mic when I first moved to New York like maybe a year and a half ago and this white guy got up and finished his set by being like uh you know how Asian people are always saying the n-word and I was like what is going on and then like the next guy got up and was like yeah Asian people do always say the n-word and I was like what's happening? (laughs) Like, 
this isn't to say that there aren't Asian people who have said it, and that's obviously wrong, and that's obviously, like, a whole other conversation. But I was like, what is this, like, white dude doing trying to, like, ingratiate himself to the black people in the room by throwing Asian people under the bus? Yeah. Yeah. That felt really... I was obviously, like, one of the only Asian people in the room. And then there was one other guy who later, like, got publicly humiliated. It was a bad night, and I didn't do stand-up for, like, four months after that. But, uh... Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, that's what I... I feel like it is a lot of, like throwing Asian people under the bus just for really no reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it is just like an easy, definitely in this book series, like just was an easy common enemy of just like someone who wasn't going to defend themselves, wasn't going to be sympathetic. People weren't going to feel bad for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still really prevalent, I think. Definitely. And I imagine LA too, where they're, are a lot of Asian people is where you're going to see more people being comfortable doing that. Or just there's going to be more like uh, stuff about Asian people. Yeah. It's weird because like in, in a lot of the improv classes I've taken out here, like I have been one of probably a handful or less than a handful of Asian people in my class. But there was one time where I think I was like the only Asian person in class. And in one day, somebody made me like a karate instructor and also I we're doing some kind of exercise and I pulled something like off of a wall and they're like oh look at your samurai sword and I was like yeah so what (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I remember when I got into ECW um one of the guys at the, like, new members party was like, oh, does this mean we can start having Asian characters in our sketches? And everyone else was like, ah, no! <laughs> but but I think I knew what he meant of, like, oh, like, we have this whole uh, archive of characters that we can do if we have an Asian person. That's, like, yeah. what inclusion looks like sometimes. Definitely a few years ago. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder what they mean by... Asian characters. <laughs> also, <laughs> they probably mean like a strong leading lady. Yeah, exactly. I think that's probably what they meant. Kind of a three-dimensional anti-hero, like you know, <laughs> really good at her job but really bad with people, that kind of thing. Um, Actually, that is an Asian stereotype, but never in the badass way. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. Hmm. There should be. <laughs> it's just someone who's like really good at data input. Saves the company millions, but, you know, cold to their wife. <laughs> I don't know. We'll work on it. We'll work um, on it, we'll it, yeah. We're here to discuss um, Searching. Searching. I love this movie. It's so I good. I loved it. I had never seen it before. Um, I can see why it won all the, like, Sundance Awards and stuff. Like, this was an incredible movie. So good. I know. And it's like the the director and writer's first movie. And mm-hmm. it's very exciting because it's a great movie. So can't even mm-hmm. imagine what else they'll make. I know. And he originally wrote this as a short film that then other people were like, you should expand this into a feature. Yeah. I know. And he didn't even want to make it as a feature because he was like, no, the no way you can make a full 
movie where it's all on a screen. <laughs> yeah. And, like, honestly, I was, like, obviously, as soon as I closed the movie down, I, like, continued to go on my computer. And that's when I realized, like, oh, I stare at a screen for way more than two hours at a time. So, like, this was actually, like, watching him type stuff in and click different stuff, like, everybody's like, oh, I'm really used to seeing this. And this isn't, like, hard to watch as a movie at all. Yeah, that's what I thought, too, when I first saw it. Um, I saw it in 2018 when it was in... Uh, it was at the Boston Film Festival that I think I saw it in, like, April of that year. Um, and I was like, it's all on a screen? I was like, I don't know. Is that going to be annoying or, like, mm-hmm. kind of weird to watch? But then immediately it's like, oh, yeah, I do this all day, every day. So yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, literally. And I don't think that this... I think that plenty of movies could be made in this way. I think it could be really easy to become a gimmick and maybe people would get tired of it, but it is pandemic proof, basically. It's true. Yeah. Um, I read that the the production of it was a logistical nightmare, it sounded like, because of all the different kinds of cameras they were using and the technology that they were using to film everything. I'm sure it would be. Yeah. It looks great, and... What's interesting about that that medium too, I think that it works really well for um, horror movies and like thrillers. Yeah. Because then there's all those so, unfriended movies. Um, mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity. Yeah. True. I don't know what it is about technology that and like those kind of movies that work so well for horror, but it would be funny to see, or like fun to see a comedy or a rom com and see how totally. that does too. And he, so a little background on the director, Anish Chaganti, first of all, incredibly hot, literally so hot. He's 29. <laughs> he grew up in San Jose, South Bay. Um, he kind of went viral with, he made a short film for Google Glass. It was a commercial. I don't know if I'd call it a short film called Seeds. Um, that the whole thing is filmed on like Google Glass. It's really beautiful. I recommend it. It made me cry. It's about him like going to India to see his mom and show her there's a twist at the end he shows her something um oh. and it's very beautiful uh so that like went kind of viral and because it was so successful he was then invited to join the google five team at the google creative lab in new york city where he spent two years developing writing and directing google commercials so are you can see he's like very good at like okay i have to film something on google glass how can i like take advantage of this and tell like a story that really appeals to people's emotions like he's figured yeah. out that that's something he is good at. Um, And then he worked on 25 short films and videos, and then he directed Searching, originally pitched as a short film, and then was offered a production budget for a feature instead. Um, He had another film, Run, starring Sarah Paulson, that was originally set to be released on January 24th of this year, um, but it's been pushed allegedly to May of this year, but I don't think it's out yet, so who knows. Um, Sarah Paulson, I love her. I do, too. This movie won the Best of Next and the Alfred P. Sloan Film Prize at Sundance 2018. Um, Did you ever watch that commercial also for Google that was about a dad, like, emailing his daughter for the first, like, five years of her life? And it's, like, just videos of her birthday and, like, her first word and stuff. Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think that sounds familiar. I just remember 
I was in like, I don't know, middle school or something and just always crying when that commercial came on. Um, and the beginning of this movie reminded me of that because in the commercial, it's also an Asian family. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because he said that he always wanted um, John Cho for this movie. And oh. he's like, if it wasn't going to be John, then we would have cast. He was like, we were going to cast a, a family that hasn't been represented very much. Oh. So he was like, it was always going to be like a minority family, but they just mm. always wanted to be John Cho. Wow. That's pretty cool. I obviously up top, there were some details. I, I liked seeing this like loving Asian family. That was adorable. Um, so cute. Made me cry in the first like yes. five minutes of the movie. I cried a few times during this movie. This was, it just like really pulled at the different emotions really effectively. I liked that he pronounced Pokemon right. Um, yes that was nice yeah I think any movie that really nails social media is really impressive American Vandal I think is another one that does it really well that accurately shows how young people actually use social media yeah I think it gets botched so hard so often um so people who do it effectively it's pretty impressive and it goes a long way towards telling the story well totally and yeah, I loved all the details of like he couldn't get into the Facebook, mm. so he had to like get the recovery email, log into that email, get the recovery password, you know, yeah. and then set a new pa- like it's. I like that they didn't skip any of those steps, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that it it was like you're watching you're like oh, I hate when that happens. That's yeah. what I was thinking. <laughs> yes, totally. I love all the clicking sounds, too. That was very satisfying. I agree. I really like that. Um, And then I think there's the part where he opens his wife's account to get the email password, and you see in the corner, no update for antivirus in, like, 400 days. And I was like, that is such a, like, heartbreaking, really smart detail to include of just, like, that is how grief works. Like, you, you, you open up your deceased wife's computer and you see that like I don't know I thought that was so smart and I'm guessing they used a google computer for like copyright reason like I I just I think apple would have been whatever but um, I imagine if I had a google computer I would see that update constantly Mm -hmm. and that would affect my life yeah what's also fun about this movie I was watching it for it this second time through that it um because I had heard after the first time through watching it in 2018 that he put some, like, there's, like, a backstory and all of, like, the the news web pages uh, that there's, like, an alien invasion coming. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was watching for it this time. And there are. There are, like, a few stories that you can catch in, like, the scroll at the bottom of the news oh. footage and then, like, links on the side to, like, NASA meeting with White House <laughs> for top secret events or like NASA warns for about in like anomalies and electromagnetic fields or something like that. Oh my god. That's so smart. I didn't catch that. That is really funny. It was funny, funny too. Like the part where he's really like, Where were you? What's your alibi? And he's like, I have previous engagement and then it cuts to him typing in Bieber concerts. Confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. I was very glad she was okay at the end. Dude, yeah, when they pronounced her dead, I was like, 
I believed that this movie would go there, and I'm really bummed. Like, yeah, just because the whole thing was so realistic, I was like, yeah, this is how it plays out a lot of the time. And I guess it makes sense that that's how it's playing out right now. Yeah, I was so, there were so many moments where I was on the edge of my seat. Like, the part where he goes to confront his brother about... Yeah, that was crazy. That's oh. a crazy twist. <laughs> that was really good. Loved the brother. I thought he was awesome. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, the whole cast, I thought, was... Mm-hmm. was great mm-hmm. um uh, of, of like within the family mm-hmm. really big fans of that. was it deborah messing is that who the woman was mm-hmm. i thought she was awesome yeah she's good yeah classic cop yeah <laughs> and corrupt and <laughs> ineffective <laughs> yeah it is crazy how many things i have been watching lately where like cops are in, they're so overrepresented in media so, yeah, so much so. Yeah, it's funny. I watched Searching yesterday, and then <laughs> we watched the new the new Russell Crowe Unhinged movie. And <laughs> both, of the, <laughs> both of those movies, like, cops are so ineffective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is true. Yeah. I'm watching The Wire right now, which I think is arguably one of the more, like, in-depth, thoughtful looks at cops, like, relationships with the communities that they're supposed to serve um and there's one white cop who like at in the first season whatever I don't have to get into the wire but um yeah there's one character where I'm like this dude should not have a gun at this point like I feel like he's kind of proved himself to not be cool to have one and (laughs) I feel like we sort of forgot about it or let it slide or something but I didn't forget and I keep thinking about it and now he's messing up again yeah. Yeah. So um, it was cool, yeah, to see this woman be uh, corrupt. Um, and, like, yeah, it was well laid out. Like, when she was like, I would do anything to defend my son, you're like, you set that up. Like, yeah. I know. Really- it's it's really cool, all of the, like, hints along the way that they mm-hmm. set up. Um, cause even I noticed on her, when they showed her Facebook page, when he's looking at her Facebook page, her like cover picture is like some quote about how mothers will do anything for their sons and you know, they really set it up. Yeah. There isn't a single second, like there, there's no way to trim the fat on this movie. Like yeah, everything is intentional. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a fun, fun thriller. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy too, that this came out. Like, the same, in limited and then wider release, the same month as Crazy Rich. Yeah. August 2018. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, wow, this is such a different form of representation. Totally. When you have, like, a huge blockbuster, like, Crazy Rich come out, and then you also have, like, this critically acclaimed indie darling searching Mm -hmm. come out at the same time that doesn't really talk about yeah like asian culture and stuff but it's like it's there too mm-hmm. it, yeah it had nothing to you do know? with i don't think even really mentioned it other than to like identify her as like a missing asian female right yeah and so i'm guessing like for the director to be like i want john cho for this it was purely based on like acting chops 
Yeah, he said that he he needed a an actor who was a risk taker, and he was like, it was always John Cho, because oh. you have to have some. He was like, it's acting against like eight inches away from a camera and a black wall. <laughs> he was yeah. like, you have to be really good and a risk taker to do this movie where you don't even know really what it's gonna look like. Yeah. And he was really good. Like he was really good. Killed it. Yeah. 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 I really loved him in this. And yeah, I think the fact that it took place in San Jose was um I was gonna say there were so many mentions of the Bay Area. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, a fuck ton of people who live here are Asian. So it makes like <laughs> I just think that so much representation of the Bay Area is like white Silicon Valley or, like, white hate Ashbury or, like, white gay pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are obviously good. That's a part of the Bay Area, absolutely. But, like, everyone who is white and moves to the Bay Area moves there because it's this, like, progressive haven. And progressive means inclusive. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of people of color in there. Like, Oakland is... <laughs> a very diverse city. San Francisco was a very diverse city and parts of it still are. And so, yeah. And like stuff that comes out of the Bay area should have, you know, it should be blind spotting. It should be searching. It should be, you know, sorry to bother you. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. That was set there too. Wasn't it? Mm-hmm. it just like, that's just what makes sense. Like it doesn't even have to be about race. That's just, these are the people who live in this community right. and who have a lot of pride and who built this community. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I also noticed when I was looking up um, the director's Wikipedia, the company that John Cho's character works at is this, like, data company or something, and it's mm-hmm. the same name as the company that his parents work at. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. I think founded. I think maybe they founded that company. But I was like, Aww. this is... And he's from San Jose. So I was like, there's a lot of, like, um, personal details in here. Oh, that's sweet. Good promotion for them. I know. <laughs> Free promotion. <laughs> sure, it really helped their business take off. Big boost. <laughs> Do you um, think the reason that this movie wasn't seen as widely is because of the format? Um. Yeah, I I think probably because of the format and, like, I don't know. I think, like, first time director um as much as i think you and i love john cho i think that like he's not as big as like say a a huge action star being in an indie movie you know um although you should but Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know i think it it just has that it's also like from sundance and I think those movies tend to, unless they're, like, total Oscar bait, they tend to play a little smaller. And I also, it didn't really release, like, it wasn't really on streaming. I had to rent it on Amazon. Like, I, I don't understand. I think this movie would really pop off if it were on Hulu or something. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, like, this was probably right before... Hulu started buying movies maybe from Sundance and things like that. 
Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's always hard for me to remember the timeline of when streaming really started to blow up and yeah. And Hulu and Netflix started buying shit yeah. from everywhere. So. I'm sure some dude will explain it to us at a networking thing at some point. <laughs> He'll give us the timeline. Yeah, I'm sure someone will tweet at us the uh, yeah. timeline. But, uh, yeah, I love this movie. What would you give it? Ooh. Gongs and ramen. I would, the gong, I don't remember which is which. Is it ramen for representation? That I think so. Sense. I think so. I would give it five gongs for being a good movie. It was, like, a really fresh idea. It made me feel a lot of different things. It's a super creative, super, like, perfect execution. Representation, five. Like, this, like we've talked about. Sometimes we would just want to see these people get to play a worried parent or a weed-smoking yeah. uncle. Um, yeah. We got that. Totally. I agree. I give it the same. Yeah, it's just, like, a really meaty lead part. Mm-hmm. For for John, who deserves it. And also, all of the parts, like, the text that he's sending his daughter being like, make sure you go to your piano lesson, like, make sure you take out the trash, are you studying? None of it came across as, like, I think there are things that could be seen as, like, oh, tiger parent, like, you're being really, like, on top of her. Mm-hmm. But anyone who's watching this is, like, this is clearly coming from place of care. Like, he wants to have a good relationship. Yeah his daughter he tries to like joke around with her like watch the voice with her um I thought that was like a subtle and thoughtful and authentic detail yeah and it was never came across to me like he was on top of her about school and stuff like he was just asking like all parents ask like how did the final go you know yeah yeah um lovely he has picked a really cool range I don't know I liked it that was it was, um, like, all connected to the mother yeah. and was more of a personal connection than just, like, uh, play the piano so you can be a prodigy, you know, or whatever stereotype it would it would turn into. Totally. I did, I did think, like, $100 for piano lessons every week was really oh. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like my piano lessons were like twenty five or fifty a month or something like that. Yeah. I think yeah, I don't know. Uh, that did seem steep, but maybe that's just San Jose. But yeah, that seemed expensive. I mean if you can make twenty five hundred dollars in six months. That's Yeah, that's crazy. Off of just one student even. Yes. You know she has more than one student, so Yeah. So that was crazy. That was expensive, absolutely. Um, steep, steep prices. Yeah. Yeah, but John Shaw was picked to set, like, Harold and Kumar, Star Trek reboot, this, Columbus. Like, he can do it all. He's really funny. He was in the oath. Like, he can do comedy really well. Mm-hmm. He can do emotion. He can do drama. He can do scary. I know. It's like, he should be, I know he is big. Because mm-hmm. obviously, but, but he should be bigger. He should be bigger. That's yeah. all I, I think. Like this movie probably would have gone even wider if he was as big as he should be. Like even yeah. bigger than he already is. You know. And I don't think anyone would argue like 
the only reason he isn't bigger is because he's Asian. Yeah. Famously, yeah. he read for um, Jim Halpert in The Office. That would have been fucking... Oh, yeah. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I think if they were casting that show now, he would have gotten the part. But it makes sense that he didn't get it in 2005 or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Then they did that... Remember that Asian, Asian gym? gym? Yeah. With Randall Park. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. I mean, remember when SNL did Asian The Office? Yeah, what is that about? It was Japanese The Office, and they didn't have any Asian people in the sketch. Okay, might have to watch that to see why, what was up with that. (laughs) This was, I think, in high school. Like, I think Kristen Wiig is in it. Like, it's not old. Well, they also had that whole run of um, sketch, sketches where, who was it? It was Taryn Killam and... Maya Rudolph, I think, that would play Japanese exchange students on a, a, like, college talk show or something that they hosted, and (laughs) you can imagine how that went. I I remember Keenan was always really funny in in that sketch, because he always Mm -hmm. thinks this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was thinking about the one where Cecily Strong, I don't know what her racial background is but she is playing this i believe latin american woman named marisol during the lena dunham episode and she just like it was a sketch about abortion and she had a really strong accent and didn't really speak english and that was kind of the whole thing um and i just remember even at the time being like what is going on i don't know what her ethnic background is either i I believe she is white though so yeah that is what i believe as well i could be wrong but Look, SNL has never been great with race. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> examples of multiple blackface um, yeah. appearances. So, Don Cho should host SNL. He would be a great host. He'd be great. He'd be really funny. Yeah. Man's got range. Oh, I bet he'd do well in a musical, too. Oh, he would be great in a musical. I don't know if he can sing, but I'm sure he can. He yeah, really can. I kind of think he can, too. <laughs> Based on, he's handsome. I haven't seen him do badly at anything. Yeah. <laughs> he also has a very classic look. Like, I think that he could do a period piece. Uh, True. I think Steve and Yun is the same, but I could easily picture them wearing, like, a hat. Which would be cool to see. Yeah, I think that would be cool. We don't see a lot of pictures of people of color from the past. Sure. Well, everybody watch Searching if you haven't. Oh, shoot, we did kind of spoil it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we'll just up top we'll say there was a spoiler. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) because we also skirted it. We didn't go into the uncle or really the cop, I think because both of us were like, well, I don't want to give too much away, but we gave oh. away plenty. <laughs> I had I wasn't even thinking that until just now. <laughs> I was just like, let's talk That's about fair. it. Yeah. Now I realize maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to get upset. Also, the way that I, anytime I listen to a review podcast, I'm like, I'm going to go watch this thing, and then I'll listen. So. True. Hey, yeah, if you haven't watched, if you didn't watch it, and then, but you're listening to this first... You're it's not on a, you. Yeah. It's all your fault that you yeah. got spoiled. Yeah. I don't mean to 
victim blame, but it's definitely not our fault. <laughs> it's a great movie. Um, great movie. Yeah, better than The Meg, if you can imagine, which is what we're going to be reviewing next week. Yeah. Yeah, so be sure to watch The Meg mm-hmm. so you don't get any spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> watch it first, and then come come listen to our episode next week. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, light uh, light episode. There was this just was like a good movie. There was just <laughs> it just was like a perfect movie. Yeah, and it's like not something you can really, in terms of representation, there wasn't much to like pick apart or you know it's just well done. So yeah. in every aspect. So yeah, we should probably start watching bad ones. <laughs> discuss like this. Is, I just don't have any notes from this movie. It handled things well. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah. Well, see you next time for the Meg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, rate, subscribe, review. Give us a call. Yeah. Cause yeah, we'll call in. <laughs> call in next week with your thoughts on the Meg. Yeah. We'll do, we'll do, uh, we'll have guests to come and talk about the Meg with us. All right. All right. <laughs> Well, see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>